Hi, thank you for joining us. I'm Charlotte Wood, and I'm podcasting from the Bondec Montessori in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Today, we're talking about principles. At Bondec, we might have children here with us all day, but we're not just working with children. We're not just here to teach children. We're here to help families. We're here to answer questions. We're here to be a listening ear. We're here to provide suggestions when they're asked for. We're here because we know about hypothetical childhood. We have experience and training with childhood, specifically with children under the age of six, but there are some aspects which are natural to all children, and we have the gift of working with many children. Families don't have 72 children, and so they might go through toilet learning or tantrums or making food choices with one or two or four children. When you're looking at 70 children a year over the course of 10 years, you start to see threads emerge. You can quickly see what's natural for four-year-olds, what's natural for children. And this gives us a bit of distance and a bit of perspective about the nature of childhood. This helps us to aid parents in supporting their children, helps us be advocates for childhood and provide some suggestions and some feedback and some notes about what's natural to childhood, what we know about this specific child, and a sounding board for when you're just feeling frustrated. That's natural too. Parenting can be emotional. It's an emotional experience seeing your heart walk into a classroom. It's natural to feel a little bit torn the first time your child goes off and does something without you, goes to school, goes on a play date, whatever it might be. It's natural to feel a little bit like, is there more I could or should or must be doing? Am I doing too much? Am I doing too little? There's a lot of pressure and a lot of noise and a lot of information out there in terms of educators, other parents, friends, elders and your own parents, blogs and books you might read. And there might be common threads natural to childhood. We like to remind families, you are the expert in your child. Your family has unique needs. And the only good suggestion, the only right answer is the one that works for you, for your child, and for your family. There are times when we hear something, a story or uh, an issue is brought to us or a bit of a conflict between parent and child, where at the end of the story, we can hear an undercurrent of frustration, an undercurrent of, it's just the principle of it. She just won't X, Y, Z. He's just pushing my buttons. And it's emotional. Parenting is emotional. You're raising a whole human. And When love is at play, other emotions can come into play as well. Testing a parent is so natural. It's natural for toddlers, it's natural for teenagers, and everything in between. 
And as we've talked about previously, the responsibility in those moments is for a parent's love to push back and say, no matter what, I'm always going to love and accept you. I might not accept this behavior. This might not be the family agreement that we've made. And I'm going to hold you accountable, whether you're two or whether you're 20, but I am always going to love you. In these moments, we have the gift of a little bit of perspective. We love these children and we care about the families who come to our school, but we don't have that same parent's love that can really tug at those moments. So we have a little bit of perspective and an ability to say, what are you really trying to get at? We get questions from families about big important things. My child just won't go to sleep or she just wants to read one more book and there's a little bit of guilt of continually taking your child back to bed or uh, encouraging a child to eat all their vegetables. But when we have a little bit of perspective, we can remind ourselves, wait a second, is this really what's best for the child? Is enforcing good sleep habits what's best for the child? You are not being a punitive parent by expecting your child to go to sleep. This is important. And love sometimes blocks logic. We uh, heard a story recently. A story was shared with me from a parent of a 10-year-old. And this is a story that could have come from anybody. It's one of those natural to childhood stories. It's this family's expectation that this 10-year-old will brush her teeth every night before bed. That's common. That's to be expected. But every day it was a struggle. She was saying she did, but she didn't. She was saying she brushed her teeth, but she had just turned on the sink, waited a few minutes and left. Are you going to catch me? Is this rule the same as yesterday? Are you going to enforce the rule the same as yesterday? Or she did brush her teeth, but not good enough. And when this parent was sharing this story, you could hear the frustration. What am I doing wrong? What am I doing that's not getting through? What can I do differently? You can hear the frustration. Almost it's palatable. It's the principle of it. She's just not brushing her teeth. But once we back up off the ledge, once we remove the emotion from the situation, we can see that, in fact, it's not about the brushing teeth. It's about trying to instill a good sense of hygiene. At the very crux of it, what is the principle we're trying to instill? And this is where... We talk about that phrase of principled parenting. Is it just the principle of it? Is it that frustration, that emotional piece kicking in that she's just not listening to me? Which we've all felt frustration like that, parent or not. We've all felt frustration of so-and-so's just not X, Y, Z. If only they could see it from my perspective, everything would be easier. It's the principle of it versus The principle I am trying to instill for my child, 
the principle of helping this small human grow into a full human being who I can send out to the world confident I did my best, confident I gave them the skills they need. That's not about brushing teeth. That's about instilling a sense of pride in your appearance, in taking care of your body so that it takes care of you for the next 80 years, of respecting yourself because respecting others starts with respecting ourselves. And that comes down to something as simple as brushing teeth. There's also the piece of feeling manipulated, feeling lied to. How, how dare my 10-year-old not do exactly what I want? Sometimes we forget that even though they're little, they are a full human being. I set up the dominoes. I did everything right. I did everything logically. I did everything that those blogs and those advisors and those parenting books and everything that logic said should lead to this desired outcome. She got to pick out her own toothbrush. She picked the toothpaste she wanted. We brush our teeth in in front of her. We're following through. We do this every day and yet there is still pushback. Well, yeah, because it's a human being. We can set things up perfectly. We can pave that path. And yet, we are giving a child freedom to make their own choices. And sometimes that means they don't follow that path that we have laid out for them. They have their own choices, their own opinions. Perhaps when I say to a child, you didn't brush your teeth well enough. What she hears is, you're not good enough. And when we feel that way, even if it's not accurate and it's not something our parent would ever say to us, and we know in our heart of hearts it's not true, we feel small and we want to push back. Or perhaps we need a better model. 10 is little enough that perhaps she just wants company. So if this conversation about brushing teeth is really about instilling a sense of responsibility for your own self and for your own well-being, and a conversation about brushing teeth can be just the same as a conversation about nutrition or about respect and honoring your body, perhaps she needs a model. Perhaps you can go together and brush your teeth. And then you realize that, wow, two minutes when I'm brushing my teeth feels a lot longer than when I, it's the hypothetical two minutes at the end of the day when the child's already in bed. We get a little moment to experience what a child might be going through. Once we get a little bit of distance and we get talked off the ledge, we can start to think about things logically. We have the space to remember that these are humans and it's okay for them to have their own opinions. Just like it's okay for you to have things that are absolutely non-starters. It is a non-starter for a toddler to decide she's not going to bed. That is okay to enforce that your toddler go to bed. It is okay to enforce that your 10-year-old brush her teeth. But What are the principles that you're instilling? And what are you going to do to get there? For the 10-year-old brushing her teeth, what's comfortable for you? Maybe what this child needs is a little bit of trust. To say, I respect you and I know 
I have explained and we have talked about the ways that brushing your teeth and taking care of yourself is important. We've talked about that and I know you heard me. I trust you to do a good job brushing your teeth and I'm not going to ask you if you did a good job. I'm not going to check your work anymore. I trust you to do it. I might give you a reminder because at the end of the day, it's easy to forget things, but I'm not going to second guess you or question your work. Just like I know you are going to respect me by doing the best job you know how. Perhaps your child requires that model, that moment of doing it with you, of going together and having this be a family ritual. You know your child best. What is the task that's causing conflict? What's the underlying principle at play? For very young children, we sometimes see this with eating vegetables or eating protein, anything food related. Children have so little control and controlling food is one of the few things where they feel like they have a little bit of power. And we all like to exert our power every once in a while. We forget that as adults, we have a lot of agency. I'm the one buying the groceries. I know I don't like tomatoes. I'm not going to buy tomatoes, but I know I like asparagus. And so I'm going to buy asparagus. So when a child says she doesn't like asparagus, it feels big and dramatic because, well, that's what's on offer. That's what we have today. And we've forgotten that we've already excluded the things that we don't like. So in some ways, we're accepting our opinions and preferences, and we're not extending the same grace to a child. That's not to say a child gets to make all the decisions about food. That's way too much responsibility. But perhaps it's not that she doesn't like asparagus. Perhaps she doesn't like it steamed. But if it were sautéed in a pan, she always eats it then. Or perhaps, yes, she doesn't like asparagus, but that's really the only vegetable she doesn't like. Or she doesn't like canned green beans, but she'll eat them raw. And there might be preferences that emerge that aren't the same as yours. And that's okay too. But once we remove the emotion, and sometimes that requires getting a little bit of distance and a little bit of perspective, we can notice those moments. Notice what's truly happening. It's not that this child is trying to push buttons. It's not that this child is saying no to every one of our yeses. It's that sometimes we're caught off guard when a child is expressing her own opinion or are surprised that a child would still be pushing back even though the rules never changed. When we get a little bit of distance, we can learn when is it important to follow through and when is it an opportunity to learn or to trust or to give space. Is it really that she doesn't ever eat vegetables? Or is it one of those moments where she's expressing a preference? She doesn't care for eggplant, but any raw vegetable goes down without any commentary. Or choosing your own outfit. She might not want to wear the outfit you picked, but perhaps that's surprising because a four-year-old has her own opinions about what to wear or maybe it's surprising because an older sibling was happy to wear whatever you had picked out 
but a younger sibling likes to put her own outfits together her own way and has a unique sense of color and pattern and it might not be the way we would have put that outfit together but is that something that we would be fine with if we're really reflecting on it if we remove the emotion and get a little bit of space is polka dots and stripes really going to be the end of the world or is that going to be something that we're okay sending our child out into the world wearing what's the worst that could happen these are decisions that no one can make outside of your family you can ask for input even this podcast is just another voice in the noise we're not trying to tell you what to do there are plenty of sources to gather information but then it has to go through the own filter of your family's decision making what are the big rocks that you're going to stick to and in those moments that's when we stick to our guns yes a two-year-old does have to go to bed no matter how much she fusses yes we are going to instill a good sense of hygiene but we're going to figure out how to get there together yes you do have to wear clothes but i'm going to be a little bit more relaxed about what combinations go together and where do we find ourselves bristling at something that might just be the principle of it, the frustration, the emotional piece of butting up against the fact that things did not go as I expected. Children bristle at those moments, and we do too. It's equally hard for adults and children to notice it. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at Bondek, and email us with comments, questions, and suggestions at hello at bondek.org. Until next time.